0: On today's Player Pool, a little motivation to explore in this last full month of the season before the playoffs begin. Then we're going to cover the Zach Moss obvious situation before I get in a little overboard in a rant about, and I'm so sorry, about Aaron Rodgers. Have you heard of him? He's in the headlines every once in a while. Let's go. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Welcome back. Welcome back to the player pool podcast. I'm happy you're here. I hope you're still happy you're here as well. We are approaching week 13, 13 in the NFL season. There's no more wait and sees on the horizon. At least I can see it's that time of year where you kind of know what each team is what each team is trying to do, and who with. That's a big part of the next month. In December, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, they both say it. The good football teams win in December, and the good Daily Fantasy players should be able to win in December. Because by now, you've seen what these teams are trying to do. Little hiccups, little trap falls that were there early in the season, You should have been able to figure out by now. Things like the Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, two-headed backfield. By now, we've seen what the Lions are trying to do. That's a good example. We've seen that they are trying to give, at this point, a 50-50 split. Whereas, in the beginning of the season, we were all losing our minds because Gibbs, as a fresh rookie in the NFL, wasn't getting 30 carries a game. He started out with eight carries. But if you look at it now, you should be able to figure that out. You know, if you look at Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. You should be able to figure that out. I'm just kidding. You can't figure that out. That's a total dumpster fire. We don't know if Cup's got a leg, two legs, what's going on. We're only playing Puka Nakua this week. There's a little spoiler for the preview. But it is time in your season to start taking stances. The amount of weeks left that we have to really hit big or to have a really great, great season-defining week are limited. And it's at this time where I really start trying to narrow down my player selections, narrow down my player pool as best I can and really stick to as few lineups as I can, as many slate breakers as I can fit in, and just make this baby sleek, make this thing aerodynamic heading forward. So if you've had a good season, if you are way up uh, you know, in your bankroll, I mean exponentially way up in your bankroll, like I've seen a few of you guys uh, forward me, you know, now's the time to experiment. What does it feel like to play? You know, if you were a one or two or a $5 guy, what's it like to play 10 a line? You know, what's it like to play 15? Now remember you, by now you should have been able to preserve your principal, which was what you initially deposited. So we had coached this early in the season and we hadn't gotten around to it mainly because my season has not been <laughs> as successful as years prior, but If you have eclipsed your principal that you deposited in, you should have pulled that out by now, put that back in your bank account, and you should be playing with house money at this point. Playing with house money at this point, I would urge you, because I have a feeling we're going to be back here next year playing this again. I would urge you to start feeling what it's like to play a $5 league or a $10 league and see what the competition's like at that higher level. You may be surprised. How close you are to some of the top sharks in DFS. So it is that time of the year, you know, especially if you've been very successful. And this is how I, I was able to grow a lot in years past. You know, I come up to September and I'm like, I'm in another galaxy in terms of bankroll where I began. So I was really trying things, experimenting things, playing, you know, high entry, hundred dollar GPPs, seeing what that was like. And this is ultimately how I stumbled on the on this league strategy of playing all these leagues in mass. So I would encourage you if you want. And again, I'm not saying to be irresponsible or anything, but this is the moment right here in the next couple weeks to, to just both try to play a more narrow player pool, more narrow lineups, really try to hit the bullseye, but also maybe go to some realms where you just haven't quite touched yet. See how it feels. See how it does. Now, again, do not for the love of God, do not, Blow your winnings by playing large, trying to have that career-defining week in your very first season of playing DFS the right way. Please don't do that to yourself. That's not what this is about. Ultimately, DFS is not here to pay your bills or to buy a new car or nothing. Now, occasionally, does that happen for the .0001% of people that play DFS every year? Yeah, sure, fine. But here, it is more about enjoyment and growth. And I think... You enjoy it by being able to play every week stress-free because you're not draining yourself you know, uh, of your own personal finances. But also growth is that now based off your success, playing the right way, now you are open to going up and playing in different contests and trying things out, seeing what works for you. So before we get into the preview, a couple things I just wanted to talk about that look like themes, we could call these Sunday situations, but just general themes around the NFL and things heading into this week. And I'll just get right to the very first one. Obviously, this player this week, we have a situation where the RB2 on a team, his RB1 is going to be out for a couple weeks. You should already know who I'm talking about by now. But that's Zach Moss on the Indianapolis Colts. He's only 5,600. Just to emphasize how much of an absolute lock this guy is. If you can remember early in the pod, early in the season, we, we were talking about our labels. I mentioned the lock label and I said that it would only truly be used about two to three times a season and that's been pretty true throughout this season and Moss this week is a great example of an absolute lock you've already seen what he can actually do when he had the rb1 role at one point he was a top five statistical running back in this season that we're currently in so early in the year, he was already there this isn't big brain plays over here but big brains, which I know a lot of y'all who listen to the show are very intelligent people that put a lot of work in and know this league very well. Some of you guys, I think, could be enticed, tricked, convinced that because Zach Moss is going to carry so much ownership this week that you need to avoid him. You need to be contrarian. Let the 90% of the field fall off if he fails and you'll live in the 10%. And I'm just going to give my thoughts on that, on that line of thinking. Because I think a lot of times in these battles, we tend to pick the wrong one to fight at. And sometimes the very first question of the slate is what most of the field or some people can get hung up on answering. When that answer is obvious, and you should be well further in to the analysis and lineup construction process. I've talked to some people that will wrestle with a low-level issue, a, a one-step-up issue, when the true battle is going to be fought six steps above their head. So I think, at least for me, Zach Moss this week, absolute luck, and then it's all about what can you build on top of him. That's where the battle's going to be won. I mean, by now you've seen how at the very top of these contests, the differences between lineups isn't very, isn't very much. It's usually a player or two at the very top. And you only get to that final two-player battle if you've done the obvious and, and smartest and, and most logical DFS selections on your way up to the top. So don't overthink Zach Moss. Be excited for him. I don't care if he's playing the Cleveland Browns with a healthy Miles Garrett this week. Zach Moss is going to be 100% in my lineups, and he's just a good example of you know lock, it, lock and load, move on, and struggle with some of the other hard decisions we have on this slate. Another thing uh, I'd like to talk about that hasn't been discussed a whole lot on the show, and for that I may deserve a medal, but it's this Aaron Rodgers situation with the Achilles. And I just love how everyone's reaction to this is either A, this is all for publicity and it's fake, or B, that thing's going to fall off the bone like a well-cooked you know chicken wing, right? It's just so funny to me that, and I feel like we just came out of a couple years where we were all stuck in this debate, but now on an NFL level, everyone's debating, like, should he be playing at such high risk? What's he playing for? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What they're not really realizing here is that Aaron Rodgers carries intrinsic value outside of just field production. I don't know if you have watched the 11 New York Jets primetime games this year. If you haven't, you must have been living under a rock. They're everywhere but on just a normal main slate except for this week. But that Jets team has been depressing. That sideline is depressing. Coach Salah, who by everything I can tell is a solid football coach, they look rough. And if anything, that organization, I think people are failing to realize that organization needed just something positive in their locker room and on their practice field. So I do think that that's one aspect of it. You don't realize, and maybe we always need to be reminded of this, but these NFL players, it's not a luxury game for them. It's not just for fun. This is truly their job, and I'm not here to virtue signal and be like, eh, protect them at all costs. Like we have, we have coal miners, you know, working that have true employment issues that we should care about. I'm not super, super concerned about the NFL, you know, how they're all employed, and you know, we need to protect them from everything, but. It is still a job for them. And that job does not just require responsibilities to practice and play football games. There's a lot that comes with that contract, especially as a quarterback. That means appearances, being present with the team. Aaron Rodgers wasn't just allowed to blow out his Achilles and then go be on vacation, hang out in his house for three months till he healed up. He still had to come to work every day. I think people miss that. You have to report. You are like You have no privacy in this matter. Your body, to some extent is owned by the new york jets they're paying you millions of dollars for it so he's been coming to work this entire season and people like to because they want to they want to say he's trying to drag all the attention to him which to some degree yes obviously he's been worshiped for 18 years plus however many years coming up through high school and college right so obviously he's got a certain level of attention needed uh you know that he requires but at the same time he can't help if the camera goes to him on the sideline things like that so i think if anything for the jets this was just a much needed energy injection into their franchise and at the same time once again unless you can show me your medical degree i have no idea what's going on with achilles research and procedures and the medical advancement of that injury. I mean, I can tell you that the mechanism of injury and what occurs in an Achilles tear to me, seems like it would be an easy fix. It's two pieces of a tendon located between your heel and your calf and somewhere between those two junctures, it snaps and they roll up on each other in your foot and your calf. That's all I know about an Achilles tear. But to me, it does seem logical that in 2023, the human race maybe has decided that, well, maybe we should focus on fixing that instead of letting people be disabled for 18 months you know, and, and beyond. So, I just find it funny that no matter what is said about Aaron Rodgers, we all jump to the most, the to me, an old opinion of just diva, wants all the attention, ridiculous, total attention sinking. I think the story is always more nuanced. than I think one part of growth, I think in your life, as a fantasy football player, everything, is can we grow beyond these old tired diva, prima donna, It's always about him, these rich, spoiled NFL players. It's so easy. I just think we can really move past all of that and maybe assume that, eh, maybe he's on the sideline because he's being paid to be. Maybe he's coming back from an injury because, I don't know, in the last 20 years, maybe they figured out how to fix that injury just a little sooner. The people that run NFL teams, even the worst NFL teams, even the Chicago Bears, have some level of IQ and intelligence, okay? Give them that much credit. And Aaron Rodgers is a tens of millions of dollar man. And he's going to be that man for a couple more years by how it looks with the New York Jets. So give those smart people that run these businesses, run these teams, some credit. Because they are truly the .00001% of our society, of athletics. I mean, it's just funny to me that all of these, quote, experts online, on Twitter, the guys that literally are selling you fantasy material every year who haven't made an athletic move in a decade are really out there right now just doing the same old tropes just for your attention, just for your entertainment. And that's all it is. So that's my little rant on the whole situation. I just figured, hey, it's been all season, haven't really done an Aaron Rodgers-focused rant. There it is. Those are my thoughts. Hope it made sense. Hope it didn't offend anybody out there. All I'm saying is, as time goes, maybe just – Don't pick up the exact same takeaways and arguments that you've been picking up and spewing out your whole life. And I'm mainly talking to the fantasy touts and quote unquote experts, analysts on Twitter that mislead a large portion of the DFS community and the players. All right, enough of that. Let's get to the week 13 preview. It's a big one we got a 10-game slate ahead of us. Right now, I will say every game you look at has a weird weather forecast. As of this recording, it's Thursday night. The show comes out Friday morning. No one knows what the weather's going to be four days from now. So see the weather in Saturday night into Sunday morning. Don't give too much credence right now to the weather forecast. But first game on this 10-gamer, we got the Los Angeles Chargers going to the New England Patriots. And you know my thoughts on a West Coast team – Starting at the noon time slot or the one o'clock Eastern time slot, going across the country to play an East Coast team. I do think that that's kind of a negative for the traveling team. And here we have our Chargers, the old Chargers, the Herbert stack. I had a couple years of just loving running out Herbert stacks, but it started last year and it's continued into this year. It has not gone well. It's, something has changed in this team, whether it's age, whether they're just tired of their coach. Whether it's just getting stale. They're getting stale with Staley and it's time to move on. But these guys are just not as reliable as they used to be. I still like Herbert in this game. I still like Eckler and I still like Allen. And for whatever reason, Allen's price is just way too big for what his role is and his ceiling is. And even the route tree he runs in this offense. It all doesn't make a lot of sense. Allen's nursing a shoulder injury as well. So he's liable to take a solid hit and be out at any time. But... Without anybody else below him, he's still at 9K. That's a solid price, so he made my player pool. But this team that I used to run multiple lines with and interlace two different kind of Herbert stacks, I no longer feel obligated to do that. So if I'm playing Justin Herbert, I am fully committed to Justin Herbert, and I'll be stacking a very expensive stack of Eckler and Allen with him if I do it, if I do it. So Herbert made my player pool, although I am trying to limit My lineups as best I can in this last month of the season. Five quarterbacks made my player pool overall, so I'm not sure if Herbert gets in there for me. And then on the Patriots side, I don't know what you saw last week when the Patriots played the Bears, but I know what I saw, and that was a team very, very okay with losing. I think Bill Belichick, in the back of his mind, whether the franchise has sold it to him or he actually believes it, or the franchise just wants him to believe it. But they all seem pretty okay with being a top two or three pick in this upcoming draft and having an outside shot at Caleb Williams, assuming the Bears can screw up getting the first overall pick. The Bears are in their way, for sure, with the first overall pick. The New England Patriots know that because the Bears should not, should not have won their last game uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. So it was kind of a tale of, of two lines of thinking uh, or ways of doing things last week. But I saw the Patriots lose a game 7-10 to 10 to the Giants, and Belichick did not look overly upset on the sideline. And then I saw the Bears fight for a comeback win against the Vikings, kind of letting the Patriots inside the top two for the pick. So I say all this to say I like um, Ramondre Stevenson in this matchup, but just know this team could be closing up shop pretty soon. So it's pretty risky. So Ramondre Stevenson, nobody else in the Patriots for me. And that's just kind of my overall outlook on the Patriots for the rest of the season. Next game, Atlanta Falcons at New York Jets. Depressing meets very depressing. Uh, depressing on the Atlanta Falcons because we still can't get a thrower at that quarterback position. Desmond Ritter looks just like the Desmond Ritter that got benched about a month ago. So kind of engaged Drake London and Kyle Pitts, Johnny Smith, and, and company. And then you got Bijan Robinson on the road. New York Jets, great defense. It's all about who has the ball longer in this game, and I do think that Bijan Robinson at 8100 is a negative matchup, negative value, but he still makes my player pool, so I, I at least have him for that. He did not, yeah, I'm just checking. He did not get highlighted though as a preferred player in my pool. And then on the Jets side, Brees Hall's price at 6700 is enticing. Also made my pool, uh, but it's purely a, on the price point. Uh, we'll see. Brees Hall's touches have have pretty much been stuck around 15 most of the season. And I wouldn't expect him to get any more facing this Atlanta defense. That can show up to some games. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, again, it's just kind of a junkyard in terms of two football teams, and especially as DFS options. Next game, Indianapolis Colts at Tennessee Titans. Zach Moss, already talked about him. 5 out of 5, 3 out of 3, 100% locked this week. That's my take. I'm telling you, I don't always say, hey, play this guy. Play this guy, all right? Don't overthink it. Let the dumb players count themselves out. He's projected for the highest ownership, I believe, of the season. Be in the crowd on this one, okay? Don't be a hero. (laughs) Below him, though, we have Michael Pittman and Josh Downs, two guys that you would consider. My thoughts, though, on Pittman are just he's always in that 7K price range, and truly, if you look at it, his ceiling is about 2X at the 7K price range. This week, 7900 The Tennessee Titans' pass defense, I think it's hard to say that they're pass-funnel defense at this point anymore. Middle of the league against the pass. So I don't absolutely love Pittman, especially in a very pricey week, which we're going to get to some prices that shock you. So I don't like Pittman at 7900 I do still like Josh Downs. I think he's looked for. He's explosive. It tells you something when a player has been out for weeks and in his very first game back. 13 targets, 13 targets at this guy. So when he's on the field, Minshew's looking for him. I like Downs a lot this week. On the Titans side, I love me some Derrick Henry this week for a lot of reasons. Some of them are superficial, of course, but there is some logic as well. I like Derrick Henry. Actually, these two points kind of go, it's kind of an equation here. You know, a one plus one equals two thing. But I like Derrick Henry because one... He had a terrible, disappointing game against the Indianapolis Colts early in the season. And all the game log researchers are all they're going to do is click on his name, scroll down, look at like seven fantasy points against the Colts like two months ago, and they're going to count him out. Uh, But one thing that I know playing as long as I have is, one, Derrick Henry's, this is the second part of that question, Derrick Henry's production and efficiency per touch has gone unchanged. I would say, I would argue, has gone unchanged unchanged now the offensive line has dropped off significantly so he has not been able to under uh, overcome negative game scripts but and here's the big thing if you've been playing for years derrick henry is the king and he is especially the king of winter derrick henry has been a league winner he crushes people he does not slow down throughout the season like other players So that is often forgotten, and I I have just seen Derrick Henry run through football teams late in the season for so many years now. And if I don't believe his efficiency is dropping off either, then I definitely shouldn't be dropping off Derrick Henry. So on a personal level, I just love Derrick Henry this week. I think he's going to be underowned, and he's he has a potential if the Titans start this game out correctly to smash the Colts. I really like it. Uh, And then also here I do like DeAndre Hopkins. The, The Colts secondary has been very very weak. Um, all season, especially across the middle, and that's kind of where DeAndre Hopkins, those short to medium routes, that's where he thrives. Uh, early in the season, Hopkins has one of his best games of the season, 11 targets, 8 catches, and I expect some of more of the same. So, like, he's only 7K. That's a pretty solid price. Uh, and, and this week you're going to need some guys that are in close to the 6K range. So DeAndre Hopkins could almost be a luxury pick in this. So, I like this game for a lot of reasons and and you're going to get a free correlation there cuz you're going to have Moss in that lineup as well. So, uh, yeah, I like I like Henry and I like Hopkins a lot this week. Next game, Detroit Lions at New Orleans Saints. Interesting one. Are the New Orleans Saints do they have a wide receiver on the payroll? Cuz right now I'm looking at the projected starting and I don't know. I know I know one of the five projected uh, uh, active wide receivers for this game. Doesn't look like a here. Michael Thomas is out. Rashid Shaheed left the game last week injured. So wide receiver one this week is a guy named A.T. Perry. I, okay. Um, I, the only one I know is Marquez Calloway down here. And that was because he was thought maybe to be a startable receiver three years ago for the Browns, I think. Or maybe it was the, the Saints. Either way, this is, uh, not a place you want to be to find receivers on the Saints. Don't try to guess. This is not a value place, at least not to me. I don't see anything that that separates any one of these five guys from each other. And just going through, let's see, the top three, they have a combined nine touches in the last month. So I don't I don't see the point there. The only thing you can hope for in the Saints here truly is Alvin Kamara gets 13 very inefficient dump-off passes and maybe does something with a quarter of those. So I think you could see 12, you know, 12, 14 targets again at Alvin Kamara like we were seeing early in the season. And then if you're feeling crazy, if you're feeling real crazy, I don't know a better game for Taysom Hill, better game script, better personnel situation. Uh, I don't think there's been a better time to play Taysom Hill in his career than this matchup. So I'm saying that. Knowing full damn well I ain't gonna play him. I'm not a guy that that ever plays with this Taysom Hill situation. I'll avoid it like the plague. But the guy's gonna get a ton of touches in this game, comparative, uh, comparatively speaking, I should say. Uh, but yikes! I mean, the Saints just don't have anybody else. And then on the Lions, I really like Gibbs. I really like Montgomery. Unfortunately, I feel like playing both makes sense. Uh, you just got to sprinkle them across your lineups. I'm gonna Ross Saint Brown. Same thing, 8500. I like him. Uh, no Marshawn Lattimore in this game. So I'm not sure who the Saints have truly to stop, uh, you know, a slot receiver of of the sun God's quality. And then Sam Laporta, he's fun. He was fun on Thanksgiving. But 7K, just too expensive for me to pay up at tight end. Next game, Arizona Cardinals at Pittsburgh Steelers. So Kyler Murray, he's a rushing quarterback. A cheat code to get 20 points. Those guys are always going to make my player pool and most Always going to make my lineups at minimum to be that kind of catch-all lineup to pick up all the guys I couldn't fit in uh, to just complete my exposures in my player pool. So I have me some Kyler Murray. Remember, it, it does look scary. Pittsburgh Steelers on the other side of the ball here, but the Steelers have given up tons and tons of yards this season, but they've just saved themselves via turnover. So I expect Arizona to at least pick up yards here. in a great value play, Greg Dortch, with kyler murray there's a connection there so greg Dortch getting used since kyler murray's been back i mean 17 targets in the last two games alone only 5200 and he's even buried on these depth charts he looks like he's wide receiver four but he's definitely not so love greg Dortch, and you're going to need the value uh this week and you're you're going to see why here in a minute but before we get to that on the Steelers side I still like Jalen Warren. It's a 50-50 backfield. He just didn't deliver last week, but he's got another great matchup at home. Love Jalen Warren this week and only 6,500. A lot of people got burnt by him, so he is projected for high ownership, somewhere around 10%, uh, but I expect that to be a little off and a little lower than that. So like Jalen Warren to go this week. And then Friar 5,800 is a little pricey, uh, but if you're just sick of seeing nothing at the tight end position and want to just pay just a few hundred more up, to get him, I don't blame you. So I do, I do think Pat Fryermuth is a top six tight end in the league, and, and he'll be involved. And again, smash matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. All right, here's what makes the slate very expensive. And you could probably guess it, but it's it's them boys from Miami. Miami Dolphins at Washington Commanders. The Commanders are the easiest defense in the league to absolutely throttle. We may see another Miami explosion this week. I've said it multiple times throughout the season. Just just don't fuck around with this Miami team. Stack a big old Tua lineup. Make that thing super expensive and build all the way around it. So, obviously, Tua's in my player pool. He's going to have a lineup. I can guarantee you that. I love Mostert, especially if A-Chain can't come back uh, from injury, which I don't know why they would need him in this game. So, Mostert in a separate lineup makes a lot of sense. And then double stacking here, at least, with Tyree Kill at 10K. That is insane, Tyreek Hill, who, if you listened to the last episode, I should have added that he should be number two as an MVP favorite behind Christian McCaffrey, but Tyree Hill, 10K. That speaks to what kind of season he's had, but also to the matchup that they're walking into against the Commanders. So Tyree Hill may very well do 300 yards in this game. If you played him in two different lineups at 10K, I still don't think that would be dumb, quite frankly. So love Tyreek Hill a lot. Love Jalen Waddell a lot. Feel very... I would be very free plugging those guys in and figuring out the rest You know this for this week. I uh, like them a lot. And then my mind would say, hey, I better play some guys back on, on these kind of stacks or on these players. But again, it's like a seven wide receiver room over there. No idea. Logan Thomas, they keep saying he's an athlete, but he doesn't produce. So I don't really consider him at tight end either. And then one big graphic that's been floating around this week is how Brian Robinson has... Outscored, you know, all but maybe four running backs in the last six weeks. I don't care. I mean, 6,800, going to be in a negative game script, not a passing uh, down running back anyway. I would expect his touches to be lower than average, and I'm just not interested uh, in this week at all with Brian Robinson or anything on the Washington Commanders. All right, next game Denver Broncos, the ever improving Denver Broncos. Going to the Houston Texans, playing in a dome here. Russell Wilson, I and again, I'm not a guy who's trying to sell you quarterbacks, and I'm pretty stout on the not-fucking-around rule with quarterbacks. But this is a game I could see Russ sneaking up to 20 points. So for season-long purposes, maybe you want to plug him in. Uh, I know I'm plugging him in. I got him on, I think, one or even two fantasy leagues I'm in. Uh, still, that's right, I'm, I'm still in some fantasy leagues. I just I can't say no to the old friends when they ask. But, uh, uh On a season-long level, Russell Wilson's good. But I could see some good stats coming out of this game. I like Cortland Sutton. They had a bad matchup last week. I said it wasn't quite time to pull the trigger. uh, But they went to Cortland Sutton a lot last week, especially in the red zone. So he is clearly wide receiver one in this offense. I will actually – this is the time to get some Cortland Sutton because you know you're going to be playing some Texans this week anyway. Uh, On the Texans' side, C.J. Stroud made my player pool probably getting a lineup uh, made for him. And if you're making a lineup for him, you're bringing his two friends, Tank Dell, and Nico Collins. Paid off last week, or almost paid off last week. Sure to pay off this week as well. You should feel comfortable with that. Now, Robert Woods and Noah Brown, they're in there right now. Noah Brown, limited practice participant so far this week. I'd expect him to play, but with both those guys back and Noah Brown being priced at 6400 I have a good feeling that Noah Brown, just from what I've been able to see, has overtaken Robert Woods. At least in the mind of CJ Stroud, which is the most important. But I don't want to pay 6,400 in this week with Tyreek Hill being 10K to find all that out. So gonna sit out on the Robert Woods Noah Brown thing. See how that plays out. Uh, but overall, I would feel really comfortable playing CJ Stroud, knowing that Patrick Sertan is going to be either on Tank or Nico Collins. Figuring out who he would be covering. Here's a research assignment for you guys: figure out who Patrick. Sertan is more likely to cover most often in this game, and then you know which of the two Texans wide receivers to play. Next game, Carolina Panthers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nothing on the Panthers, sorry. I know they just fired their coach. We're probably set for a, a big fuck you game from the from the Carolina Panthers players, but who's going to do it? I mean, Ch- Chuba Hubbard, he looks like he's giving maximum effort every week. can barely squeak out nine points. Miles Sanders hasn't been a relevant NFL player in four years. Just nobody's told the NFL that. Um, maybe you think Adam Thielen's going to show up, catch some slot passes, but I nothing's exciting on this. If Hayden Hurst ends up not playing again, I'm comfortable playing Tommy Trimble again. But Tommy Trimble even left the game last week injured. So it's just, it's a team winding down is what it looks like. On the Tampa Bay Bucs side, I love, again, Rashad White this week. Last week, Felt like a disappointment when you looked at his fantasy points, but then when you look closer, he did get the yardage. He just straight up did not get the touchdown. So love Rashad White, and he is projected for high ownership, so you pretty much have to find space for him in your lineups this week. And then I'm going to stick to what I said on the Tuesday show. To me now, it's only Mike Evans as a pass catcher. Chris Godwin's always going to be priced just a little too high for what he's doing. He's not playing at a 2X uh, production level at the mid 6,000 price point. So just Mike Evans for me. Dot and at the 5,100, still a good bargain bin tied in. All right, the next game, and I wish this one wasn't on the slate because it just makes the slate lopsided, uh, more lopsided than it needs to be. But it's here. So 49ers going to Philadelphia Eagles. So funny how Vegas is viewing this. They're viewing this as... Well, the Eagles have knocked off every other good team in the league in the last few weeks. Surely they can't do it again. The 49ers are actually favored in this game by 2.5 points, the 47 and a half projected total, uh, which is still one of the highest ones on the slate. But I could see this game going either direction. Big defensive game, uh, you know, big offensive shootout. You, you still label Christian McCaffrey as the slate breaker, so you're going to find room for him here, but this should be a tough go. And I could see this game being one where he ekes out like 17, 18 fantasy points. We'll see, and on the other end, it's just it's too random for me between Debo and Brandon Ayuk and Kittle, so I'm probably not going to be touching all this, and I'll just kind of close my eyes and pray I don't miss a big offensive uh, explosion. And then on the Eagles side, Jalen Hurts is just a cheat code at the quarterback position. Just like I said last week with Josh Allen, you don't really think about the prices with those two players, especially. So nine K, that sucks, but you're playing him. DeAndre Swift, he's had a couple of disappointing fantasy season or fantasy seasons, fantasy weeks. Uh, but I like him at 6,700. That's actually approaching value. So I'll keep playing the guy and, and hoping he breaks through. Uh, his touches overall have not dropped. They've stayed pretty much the same right around in the mid teens, upper teens. Uh, so I'll keep rolling him out. Despite the, you know, on paper, looks like a bad matchup. I'll keep rolling him out. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, two guys you got to consider. I've had better luck just having a Hertz and, and AJ Brown stack all year. Uh, but it still looks like to me that Devontae Smith is playing at a 2x pace. 7,700 could challenge that this week. One thing I've noticed is that when this Eagles team goes up against kind of a buzzsaw of a defense, a really tough defense, they the defense shows up to shut down A.J. Brown, which opens things up a lot for Devontae Smith, especially downfield, strangely enough. So uh, keep your eye on Dallas goder as well. If he does come back, I think th- what that tells you is maybe that's just two less targets to Devontae Smith, if that helps your decision-making at all. I wouldn't be playing Godert though, in his first game back from a forearm injury. 5,500 still, kind of the border for what I'd be willing to spend at the tight end position. And the last game of the slate, and this one kind of hurts my brain to look at a little bit, but it's Cleveland Browns at Los Angeles Rams. Unlikely that Garrett uh, plays in this game for the Cleveland Browns defense, Miles Garrett. So what to expect here? Joe freaking Flacco is somehow back in the NFL and starting a game for the Cleveland Browns. So that speaks to the health of the Cleveland Browns uh, Browns franchise. It's good to see some consistency somewhere in this league. Uh, but nothing for me to consider on the Browns, except for, I will say this, Joe Flacco was a tight end pumper, baby. And when he was playing for the Jets, I remember Tyler Conklin was a nice little option. So we have Chief David Njoku, at 5600 it's considerable and there's a lot of people look they look to be kind of excited about it strangely enough as it sits right now he is projected for wait for it 20 percent ownership on this slate i don't know where that number is coming from it may be just late in the year and these projected ownership people are just losing their minds at this point this may all be junk science in terms of projecting ownership especially after what i saw last week but that's what it says and uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how that rolls. I am interested to see without Miles Garrett, is the Cleveland Browns pass defense as effective? And I'd be willing to guess that it's not. So I really like Puka Nakua, 7200. We're getting big discounts on these Rams receivers. Maybe it's because of the matchup, or maybe it's because of the shit production we've seen in the last couple weeks. But love Puka Nakua. I do not trust Cooper Cup's health. Yet at 7,100, I'm going to find a spot for him. You're not going to see that type of a player be that low unless his career's over, and I haven't seen quite yet enough to see that he's on his way out of the league. So probably get both these guys sprinkled across the board. Thank God that they're as low priced as they are, and I wish this guy was Kyron Williams 8,500. Rough, but again, when a player comes back from five weeks off due to injury, and his team gets him first game back, 22 touches. That is, uh, dare I say, CMC level, right? That just tells you what McVay thinks of him, what the team thinks of him. So I like Kyron Williams. He's got to be considered kind of that upper echelon of running backs in the league. Five weeks off, comes back, 22 touches. Yes, it was against Arizona, but 22 touches. They didn't need him for that game, and they used him anyway like that. I like that a lot. So I'll be getting him. And I think, again, you may actually find lower ownership, one, because of what looks like an overpriced uh, player, but also this matchup has just destroyed people all year. But their best player and arguably the best defensive player in the league shouldn't be playing. So I like I like the Rams a lot. And I, one more thing to add on Kyron Williams, he should be in a positive game script. Uh, L.A. is favored in this game. They're at home. They're favored in this game by three and a half points. And did I mention Joe Flacco is quarterbacking for the Browns? So – all the all the things line up for Kyron Williams. To actually, have a really good game in this one, so I like it. All right, that is yes, that is it. I and I will say, I what a fun Sunday night game. Uh, it's not this isn't really about the main slate, but what a fun Sunday night game. Kansas City Chiefs going to Lambeau. That'll be fun, and we're gonna see Patrick Mahomes and his struggle bus of wide receivers uh, against an up and coming Jordan Love who. The question is, was that an easy matchup on Thanksgiving, or is he actually stepping up as a starter? Really enjoyed watching uh, Jordan Love's journey this year. So I'm not overly excited for the quality of games we have on this slate. I see a lot of teams starting to wind down. uh, But that Sunday nighter, that's going to be a fun one. So uh, if you have time, maybe if you can't see the whole slate, uh, you know, or during the day on Sunday, You know, you got lives, you guys got responsibilities. It makes a lot of sense. What a nice Sunday night or sit down and enjoy that one. It's a good look to see, hey, how healthy are the Chiefs heading into the playoffs? But also, hey, do we have a starting quarterback emerging on the other side? He's going to be, again, throwing to a bunch of rookies, fourth rounders. So if Jordan Love can compete against this Kansas City defense, which is super tough, I don't know, you may have a guy. You may have a guy right there. So that'll be a fun one. All right, well, hey, that'll do it for this episode, this week's pod again you can always always reach out to me on twitter at player pool pod throw me anything you got any questions any insights help me out if you see something that you have are like this is my my passionate play of the week this is the one that lines up it's what makes me feel good i love this player this week throw it at me i i want to hear it you know i want to get some feedback from you guys as well so uh, anything you need always here for you guys on Twitter at player pool pod. Otherwise, good luck to absolutely everybody. Good luck to me, good god. I feel like I'm mid-tier in this player pool. We got guys doing backflips, you know, we got guys doing cartwheels off the diving board and I'm over in like triple floaties too afraid to go to the deep end. That's the kind of kind of DFS season I'm experiencing right now, but uh, what one thing that's kept me in it is just enjoying the ride with you guys. So Uh, Hopefully see you in here Tuesday. Hopefully you have a great week. Hopefully you have a good weekend. Spend time with your family. Spend time with those you love. Shoot text messages to your old buddies. Give them hell. All the good stuff. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod.